Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? For today's video, I'm going to be breaking down some of the top second year wide receivers. So in yesterday's video, I talked about some of the best second year running backs. And so we're going to run it back again today and talk about receivers. This was a pretty solid wide receiver class. Not as top heavy as the running backs, but there are definitely some very fantasy relevant players at the wide receiver position. So I'm going to be breaking down five of those guys today. If you guys are watching the video and enjoy the content, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. That really helps the channel out a lot. And also make sure you guys let me know your thoughts down below. Let me know if you agree or disagree with these player breakdowns, and I'll make sure to get back to you. Let's get into it. The first guy I'm going to talk about is going to be Justin Jefferson, definitely the number one wide receiver out of this class. He had 88 receptions for 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns in 2020. So just a super impressive year for a rookie wide receiver. He finished number eight in points per game and number six in total points. So I mean, finishing as a mid-tier wide receiver one as a rookie is pretty unheard of. That doesn't happen every year. So it really just kind of shows how dominant Justin Jefferson was. And he didn't even have his true breakout until week three. In the first two weeks, he only had five receptions for 70 yards. Those were his combined stats for the first two games. And the touches in the Vikings offense are very concentrated. And what I mean by that is that basically all the touches are going to be shared between Jefferson, Cook, and Thielen. Obviously, you have some spare like receptions going to other receivers, maybe Irv Smith this year, but the vast majority of their touches are going to those three guys. Justin Jefferson really has everything you would want in a wide receiver. He gets a lot of volume, a lot of receptions, a lot of targets. He gets in the end zone a solid amount, and he has consistent yardage week in and week out. And then he also has that big playability where he can just put up those monster weeks for you, which is definitely something you'd want in your wide receiver one. All right, the next guy I'm going to talk about is C.D. Lamb. And I know he was in my Do Not Draft wide receiver video, but that's not because I dislike the player. I just think he's going way too high in redraft this year. But as a player, I really do like C.D. Lamb. And when Dak was healthy last year, Lamb averaged 14.2 half PPR points per game in those five games that Dak was playing in. And that would have been number 11 if you scaled that over an entire season. I expect C.D. Lamb to be a solid wide receiver too this year, but I'm just not confident drafting him at wide receiver 14. I don't feel super comfortable taking him over guys like Julio Jones, Mike Evans. That's just not something I'm going to do. And the reason I'm not super comfortable is that I think his wide receiver one potential is a little bit capped. And it's just because of how much the Cowboys use C.D. Lamb in the slot. So the Cowboys generally have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup outside, and then they play C.D. Lamb in the slot. CD lined up in the slot 84.7% of his routes run and also had the second most slot snaps in the NFL. And when I looked at the top 12 wide receivers last year, the highest slot percentage was 54.4. And that was by Tyler Lockett, who was actually the number 12 wide receiver. So you just don't see guys finish as wide receiver ones when their slot percentage is that high because you do get a decent amount of volume but you're generally not getting a ton of touchdowns and you're not getting a ton of that big playability that maybe guys like Justin Jefferson or some of the other guys I'm going to talk about later have. Now we've got Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers who really played great in his 12 games in 2020. He was banged up a little bit, so he missed four games. But in those 12 games, he was number 17 in points per game. So another very solid season for a rookie. 
And similar to Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk can score his points everywhere. He gets volume in the receiving game. He can get a lot of yardage. He can get in the end zone. And he even gets some work on the ground. He had almost 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns last year, which is something that even Justin Jefferson doesn't really bring to the table. So you love to see that versatility at the wide receiver position. And really the only concern I have with him is that he played most of those games operating as the alpha due to injuries with Kittle and Debo Samuel. There were very few games last year where all three of those guys were in the lineup together. You had Kittle and Debo who dealt with a lot of injuries throughout the season and even Ayuk missed four games. So we were never really able to get a solid sample size of them all playing together. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how his production fares when all three of them are in the lineup, because it's easy to produce when you're like the top option, but now you're having to compete with one of the best tight ends in the NFL and another very capable wide receiver. That's when we really see who the true alpha of this offense is going to be. All right, and now we have T Higgins, who I think had a very solid rookie year that is kind of going under the radar just because of Joe Burrow's injury. So T Higgins wasn't really involved in the first two games and he had his real breakout in week three. And so from week three up until Burrow's injury in week 11, Higgins was averaging 14.3 half PPR points per game. And just like I talked about with Lamb in that stretch when Dak was healthy, he would have been the wide receiver 11. So those are wide receiver one numbers in that sample size that I showed you. But I think in 2021, a lot of Higgins production is going to be dependent on Jamar Chase, who the Bengals drafted with the number five pick out of LSU. And I think this is really something everyone's going to have to kind of decide on their own. If you think Jamar Chase can come into the NFL and be the immediate alpha on the Bengals, then I think you should probably avoid Higgins because he's likely not going to be putting up his draft value as a wide receiver too. But if you think Jamar Chase will kind of need a year to acclimate, get comfortable in the NFL, then you should feel confident drafting Higgins because at the slide he's going at right now, he'd probably be a value if he's a wide receiver one on that team. In my opinion, I think I'm leaning towards Jamar Chase being an alpha. I mean, you just look at what he did on that championship LSU team. As a sophomore, Jamar Chase outproduced Justin Jefferson. And so Justin Jefferson being a year older and being outproduced by Jamar Chase came to the NFL and absolutely tore it up. So I can't imagine what Jamar Chase is going to do this year. But I do think Higgins does still see some value as the number two in that offense, just because I really think the Bengals are going to be a high volume passing offense this year. And I mean, teams have showed in the past that you can have two, even three fantasy relevant receivers on your roster. All right, the last player I'm going to talk about here is Chase Claypool from the Steelers. And Claypool came to the NFL and really turned in an impressive rookie season. I think a lot of these rookies had some really solid years that were kind of overshadowed by Justin Jefferson. I mean, rightfully so, the man was a beast. But Claypool was another one of these guys who came in and produced right away 62 receptions for 889 yards and 11 touchdowns. And for this year, I'm feeling very confident with Chase Claypool as a player, but I'm pretty uncertain about his fit with the Steelers this year. Claypool established himself as a deep threat on this Steelers team. He finished number three in deep targets in the NFL, and he was also obviously an end zone threat. He finished fifth in total touchdowns among wide receivers with that 11 total touchdowns that I mentioned earlier. On the other hand, Claypool was also number four in unrealized air yards, which kind of just points to Big Ben's ability to connect with Claypool deep. And last year, the Steelers were number two in pass plays per game 
and I honestly expect that to go down after they drafted Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is going to come in and they're going to try to feed him the ball. And even if it's inefficient touches, I think they're still going to try to give him the ball more than they were giving to James Conner and Benny Snell and all of those guys. So I do think that pass play per game is going to drop, which obviously then gives Claypool less opportunities. And you're on a team with Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, who are both target hogs. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be totally comfortable with Chase Claypool being a consistent option week in and week out. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty with this offense, and I'm not confident with Big Ben coming back. I think he proved last year that he's basically a shell of his former self, and I don't really expect him to improve on last year, so there are just kind of a lot of red flags. But Chase Claypool is also a very explosive player who should only improve his skills going into his sophomore season. So there are definitely some heavy pros and cons for Claypool in 2021. All right, those are the five players I'm going to talk about today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you leave a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And also make sure you guys let me know your thoughts down below. I'll make sure to get back to you. But once again, thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys tomorrow.